When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. So let me start by saying thank you so much for all your feedback. We had a huge amount of feedback last week, and that usually means that we've taken a, a bump up in our downloads and our YouTube views. And so just so you know, when you do leave a lovely YouTube comment, it has a fantastic effect on us as well, as do your iTunes reviews. So thank you very much to Amy from Guernsey, who says, so glad to have found this podcast earlier in the year. Far superior knowledge and analysis than anything you'll find on TV. Five stars. Thank you very much, Amy. Uh, Best F1 podcast says Box and Willie from the United States. This is a great podcast as uh, it's as if you're sitting around with friends. Great discussion, insight and laughs. Uh, And then the last one uh, who says is first is better than wrong. We certainly agree here. In Apple Podcast by Nazars and Nutmeg from the United States says, Hey, love this podcast. Just started listening from your YouTube recently. And I find your analysis and and hilarity engaging. Your chemistry is infectious and it makes me want to listen all the time. P.S. I love your heavy metal intro. That intro is from a band Fallen to Flux. And that track is called Alone. The guitar you can hear is Bjorn, who passed away uh, three years ago but is forever a part of missed apex podcast actually one more one more great immersive f1 podcast from crockett 833 who says really glad i discovered this podcast as a brand new f1 fan the hosts are fun welcoming and informative f1 can seem daunting to dive into but missed apex makes it easy well i hope we do and the one advantage we really have here on Missed Apex Podcast is we definitely aren't journalists. Like, we absolutely are not reporting 
on Formula One. Therefore, we're just talking about what we want to talk about. We've even had times where big stories have broken, say, the next day after we've done a recording. And then when the next Sunday rolls around, you know, Matt will say, you know, are we going to talk about that big news? I'm like, nah, everyone, I'm not interested anymore. Everyone's already spoken about it. But because we're not a news outlet, we don't feel the need that we have to report on anything. But uh, when we get a spike in new listeners, we do also get a wave of constructive and also not so constructive criticism. So there was two threads to that criticism, including my own mother, by the way. So you're not alone if you left a bad comment last week. Uh, The first one was that some people felt that last week was a bit of a spanners-heavy episode. Well, I can only apologise. One of the strengths of Missed Apex podcast is we have a wealth of panel. We bring you different people each week, and we have a rotating crew of about 10 regular panellists and special guests. Uh, You're not going to love them all. Can you believe it? Some people don't even like it when Matt Trumpets goes on and on about tyres. We even get the odd complaint about that. But some people absolutely love it so i do find though that uh, some of the some of the listeners especially the guys who've come to us through joe saywood kind of expect me to be a uh, a silent chairman so i do apologize if i've ever set myself up to be uh, a silent chairman that was never my intention at all i'm a podcaster and a radio presenter and i'm i'm I do those things because I'm a talker and I do like to talk. So just for clarity, so to avoid disappointment, I do a podcast because I like talking on podcasts. Some shows are going to be spanners heavy, not all of them. Clearly the intro to this one is. Uh, so if you if you really can't stand me, I can recommend you some podcasts that just read out what they what they have found on Autosport. The second one was that I was too mean to Matt and Chris. And yes, that's true. Sometimes, sometimes I am. The, the nature of this show, though, is a debating one. Like I said, we're not reporting on the news. If you didn't watch the race and you want to find out what's going on in F1, this definitely isn't the show to come and find out every single detail about what happened in F1. We want to have the same debates you're having in the office, around the water cooler and on the Internet as well. And we're going to have disagreements all the time. And Things when we have a long running discussion, if I'm wrong, boy, do the guys let me know about it. Boy, does Matt stick the knife in. Just so happens, it's just I've just not been wrong a lot lately. I'm sure the panel here will disagree with me soon. But look, I'm a reasonable man and I I listen to criticism. So I went to Matt and Chris and I said, Look, guys, were you offended by how mean I was to you? And they said, You know what? Actually, the way you came across, it did offend us a little bit. And I said, I said, Well, that's just the way it is. I'm sorry. If you're offended, then quit. And they both turned to me and they said, fine, we quit. I said, you can't quit because you're fired. So I've replaced them this week with a scientist and engineer and outdoor karting specialist, Carl Power, our race analyst, Alex Van Jean, and Danish commentator and radio man Christian Pedersen. Well, let's uh, let's introduce our new trumpets, my new main co-host forever and ever, because trumpets is gone and is never coming back. Carl Power, how's it going, Carl? Thank you. Melting in this heat. It's not doing too well. How are you doing? It's really hot. the The kids have got 
really good fans blowing on them and I mentioned that my little my little pathetic desk fan here isn't really cutting it and they looked at they looked at me and they went oh well we're really cool so thanks kids uh, we're going to kick off today by talking about the 2021 car that just popped up suddenly on our news feeds I wasn't expecting that at all but we've got this kind of aero outline of the 2021 regs car firstly what are they trying to do Right. So basically what they're trying to do is something I've been harping on about for, for years, and that's making it more uh, down uh, ground effect dependent and taking the aero dependency from the top of the car away. And for the, I think for the first time ever, they have an independent team of aerodynamicists led by Braun and Pat Simmons, and they're using the Sauber's independent wind tunnel facility, and they can actually put the car and their models and their and their thoughts into real life and and a wind tunnel model and that's the, that's what we're seeing now apparently this is the ninth iteration of cfd models that they've been doing they've put a lot of research in and basically it seems like it's going in the right direction it seems very positive news um a lot of people haven't been too excited about how it looks i think it looks quite exciting um and essentially the previous generation or this current generation of cars uh can cause the car following to lose up to 50% of its downforce. That's terrible, you know, especially with these delicate tyres. They overheat the tyres, they can't follow. So this car and the returns they're starting to see from the wind tunnel now is from 5 to 10% loss. So a huge, dramatic improvement, which um, which Pat Simmons actually used the word exceptional and beyond everything that they thought they could achieve with it. Well, he's hardly going to turn up and say, do you know what, we, we kind of phoned in this task and we're not sure it's going to work. Uh, Christian uh, from... Uh, where are you? Uh, near Copenhagen? Because that's the only Danish city I could uh, bring to my mind just then. Oh, you know one other Danish city. Uh, I don't know. Are they cities? I, I used to visit Hillerhol quite a lot. I'm in the centre of Copenhagen, which is uh, the capital of Denmark. So uh, you're quite into the, the technical sides of Formula One as well. Uh, what do you make of this car? Uh, obviously, they've got these clear aims. They've heard everybody talking about the lack of following. It's It's... It's kind of a knee-jerk reaction, but maybe the knee-jerk reaction we need. Uh, I want to say I, I've stopped like uh, jumping all the suggestions and just like grabbing them and then taking them for for what it looks like on a piece of paper. Uh, and this time, I'm just gonna sit back and wait patiently, but uh, quite confidently, because uh, this is the first time uh, the right group of people have been given this task and this is also the first time that the people behind them will actually support it so they have the new chase liberty team they will try to implement this ross brown will do everything he can there's no bernie in the middle or no uh, strange money from underneath uh, strange pockets alleged i think this time it will work actually so that, that was going to be my question to you do you think it will work do you think it can survive the tinkering of engineers so th- they're still going to have windows uh, like in their CAD model in their engineering drawings where they can do things if you give them enough space they are going to find ways to to a put uh, more downforce on and Red Bull have openly pretty much openly admitted they set up the aero to try and disrupt the car behind them as much as possible so the question is will it work will they be restricted enough I mean that's the the nature of the beast you have to try to make your own car faster and the other one slower. So uh, uh, people will still do this. But if you put down a set of rules that, I mean, the 5 to 10% numbers, they're, they're just amazing. And if, it's that, if that's possible, even the 10%, then I would say problem is solved. And also you have to put into the, uh, so this you have to put into the tires. I mean, if the tires stay the same, I think we will still have a, still have a problem with the 10% because 
if they are so picky as they are right now, even the 10% might lose some some front tire grip uh, in the corners. But I think we're getting there. I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah, and further to that, they're kind of trying to future-proof these rules. So as Christian said, this um, they've got the right group of people on it. They've got Ross Braun, they've got Pat Simmons, both legends and legendary engineers in Formula 1 of, gone, of, of bygone days. But now they're completely independent on their own. So what they're actually doing, they have their own team of aerodynamicists and they're trying to exploit their own rule set. So the whole point of having this car in the wind tunnel is they can see where error gains could be made, which is bad for wake, which is bad for the car following. And they can also, they've identified areas, they haven't been specific into which ones, but they've identified areas where teams could develop to gain performance, but not have a negative impact on the wake. So that's crucial. So what they're essentially trying to do is set the sizes and the rules I call them rule boxes. So certain elements like the wings, the rules allowed them a certain box that they have to fit within and certain dimensions. And they're basically trying to tune out or, or, or find any loopholes in those rules and write the rules so rigidly that the teams are given a clear direction that they can develop in so they can differentiate, differentiate between each other, mm. but also that they can't do that to hinder and create this red Bull sort of style of trying to screw the car behind. Um, I think they're right on the money. All the numbers are looking good. I've got massive confidence in these in this working. So them releasing the video of the car in the wind tunnel was just the half of the story. It's the fact that they they have now have the ability to exploit their own rules and nail out loopholes is mm. is a really good move. Mm. So Jeansy, I mean, I've proved the point that we don't need trumpets because that put me to sleep as well as any Matt trumpets analysis. That was incredible. Uh, but we, I know you're more of a you're more of a racy man. We, we turn to you for the for the racing side of things, Gene Z. Let's say that we can reach this this magical point where Aero is basically eliminated, it is cursed, uh, and it will never speak its name again. The cars can follow. Is this actually what we want in F1? Yeah, of course it is. Everyone's get, everyone is completely and utterly fed up with everyone moaning about tyres. I'm fed up of everyone going, oh, I'm, I'm behind somebody now and now my tyres are, uh, are too hot and I've got to back off to five seconds behind. I really, really want these to work. The cars look awesome as well. Um, Do they? And if it does work, I think they, I think they look mega. Really? What, this, this new shape with the skinny front nose and then essentially just, I mean, it looks like a Gillette Razor. But, you know, every F1 car looks ugly at first. I don't think I've ever seen a prototype like car get launched and gone, oh, that's a, that's amazing. Look at Caterham's nose and that, look how innovative they are. And like the Lotus one, the uh, was it the E something 13, the, the 2013 car, where the tusks were uneven? Like that drove me absolutely nuts. Like if you look at the way I arrange my desk, it's, it's kind of like um, uh, that film with Christian Bale and, uh, and him off of Sharp where they have to, you know, where they've got the thought police and anyone with an emotion. Come on, who remembers that film? So the movie I was talking about, of course, is Equilibrium. Uh, Okay, then. So I forgot my point. Let's just go. Carl, you say things and I'll edit it to sound good. Okay. well, I was going back to what Jeansy was saying. The cars look quite good. They look aggressive and people will be moaning that it's going to look a bit too much like IndyCar, where they all essentially look the same. They don't really do much on their in the way of their own aero packages. Well, Guess what? The FIA, this new FIA we have confidence in, has thought about that as well. So they're quite conscious that the cars could look very similar. And most of the magic will be happening underneath the cars now. So we don't want to have to differentiate between a car by seeing it upside down in the gravel and be able to tell if it's a Mercedes or Ferrari. So we'll, we'll 
we'll probably see like limited areas on the front wing around the Venturi inlets, which are going to replace the barge board sort of area and particularly the rear wing be quite open for development. So you can see differences between the cars. So I think that's quite exciting. Yeah, good. Well, I, I am always reluctant to talk about regulations that are several years away, uh, but we've been doing this, you know, a while now. And I, I remember when we were looking forward to the 2014 regulations, we were wondering what effects those turbo hybrid engines would have. What we didn't realise at the time, Carl, was that it would spark this period of Mercedes dominance. Say, if you say 2014, 2015, 2016, whilst every other team was catching up and Mercedes customer teams obviously weren't going to have the jump and the budget and the aero. Interestingly, though, as a, as a quick side note, as a quick side diversion, do you remember for 2014, 2015, 2016, because Williams were also doing well with basically no aero, everyone just kind of assumed that Mercedes were only doing well because they had this engine advantage. Well, now they don't have the engine advantage. Can we not kind of retrospectively go back and go, actually, Mercedes were bolting on some amazing downforce. Lewis Hamilton came in in 2013 and said, the problem is we don't have downforce. They were quick. They couldn't get their tyres working during the race. But yeah, we need to go back and go, you know, good job in 2014, 2015, 2016. You guys did amazing. Yeah, and they had the best engine, but also they're the most integrated team. And particularly, we we may got to get onto this a little bit later with the e-fuel thing. Um, they're the most integrated team with their fuel partner. So they really set set the precedent and set the standard for embedding engineers from your fuel supplier into your engine design team. So they did that. But also their aerodynamics were pretty good. We could see it in 2013 with the amount of poles that Hamilton got. They couldn't look after their tyres. So they were, they were, they were brute. They had the levels of downforce they required. They just couldn't keep it consistent and or look after the tyres. Jeansy? It might sound really basic, but to be fair, as you were saying, in 2013, they couldn't, um, they couldn't keep their tyres in. To go from melting tyres during a race to all of a sudden being able to manage everything, especially with a more powerful engine. Now, as I said, this might sound really basic, but more power means more difficult to manage tyres. So to then have a more powerful engine and still manage the tyres, that's an incredible leap in 12 months. Yeah, yeah, it is. And they had it and, they were, and they've been planning that for sev- well, several years before. I think it was Nicky Lauder's sort of quite well-documented conversation with Lewis Hamilton in a hotel room in Singapore after he retired from the 2012 Singapore Grand Prix, where, where Nicky basically convinced him to move to Mercedes and said, look, we, they, they knew they were going to have something special. They put all their eggs into that basket and boy, did it pay off. Christian. What I really find amazing is uh, how they upped the ante also, because last year they, they actually lost in Spa because of uh, their traction from the bus stop and from uh, Corner Wonder Source. They couldn't get the power down. And it's the exact opposite this year. Now they have, uh, now they have like the corner speed and the slow corners maxed it. So things will probably sound uh, a problem. You can hear me. Sorry. Oh, oh no, no. That was my, uh, my gesture that I won't reveal on camera that I, I make to to signal that it's Jeansy's turn to talk. However, uh, I was off camera at the time, and if we reveal what that was, I'm in trouble, and we're going to have to edit it. <laughs> so, uh, Sorry, I distracted you from your point. But, but the main point I was getting to was, yes, 2021 regulations, it seems a long way off. My hesitation in taking any information from what we've seen so far is we didn't predict what was going to happen, really, when the hybrid engines came in. Everyone was surprised in 2014 when Mercedes was suddenly so dominant 2017 as well uh, we didn't get a good read on what was going to happen there that was supposed to make for better racing but we forgot that everyone in 2014 was complaining 
about the, the lack of lap time. People, honestly, there was people out there who were complaining that their stopwatch uh, went around for too long before they could click the next lap timer. So we got this ultra high downforce uh, set of regulations. And then the 2018, 2019, it's been much the same. It's been an evolution, Kyle. But it, it's interesting because when I said to Jeansy earlier, you know, is this what we want? And he said, well, everyone's been screaming for this. Actually, in 2014, everyone was screaming for more downforce, more aero, faster lap times, ultimate, ultimate, ultimate. Yes, um, but it was, we did want that. And 2014 was too slow. GP2 wasn't that far off the back of the Formula One grid. In fact, I think one of the manners was actually slower than GP2 pole. You can't have that for the premier class. So they did the right thing in making the cars faster. But what was frustrating in that, and why a lot of people have been screaming for this ground effect thing, is how they make the cars faster. They made them massively top surface area dependent, and they were always going to suffer. So, But with these new regulations, they're making the cars just as fast, and they might arguably even be faster, but they're achieving it in the right way to allow them to follow closely together. So they've, they've, they have gone down the right window. And when we can't make predictions as to which team will be good at the moment, this is purely a prediction for the racing should be better rather than a team should be better than another team. Wasn't the whole thing as well, making the cars faster, a complete knee-jerk reaction to the engine noise? And they were like, okay, well, the engines aren't making a lot of noise, so let's make the cars infinitely faster so at least it looks like the drivers are doing more work. I think there were so many knee jerks because the engines caused so much controversy. Yeah, I agree. And half the wow factor of seeing a Formula One car before, it used to be the noise. It was a physical assault on your senses as one went past. And that adds to the speed. It looks faster if it's loud and scary. So when the cars were quiet and hair dryery and they didn't look particularly quick either, it doesn't look good for Formula One. So, so yeah, I I, I buy that logic. I have to say, I really I really like the look of the cars nowadays. Uh, the, the 19 spec is a really beautiful car. How it's balanced. Maybe it's a bit too too long. Maybe maybe it weights around like 50, 100 kilos too much. But it's really beautiful. Uh, and it's not it's not the 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 aerodynamics or it's not the, uh, the the way the car looks that's the problem. It's more the racing, the DNA of the racing. It's been destroyed by some of the aerodynamics and some of the tire rules and stuff like that. And if that's fixed, we will have a proper product. And the new cars looks uh, promising, definitely. Having said that, apart from two dud races this season, the racing's been brilliant this year. Yeah, I know. So we can talk as much as we want about all this kind of stuff. Apart from France and apart from Monaco, the racing's been fantastic. The last four races have been have, will, will actually be in highlight reels in years to come because they've all been that good. So, you know, I do think the re- the new regulations need to happen, but I don't think it's the knee jerk. I don't think knee jerk is needed. And I think Ross Braun's done a really good job at going, okay, well, let's just take a considered look at this and do it correctly. Okay, well, well, I guess the worst case scenario with these new regulations is it makes them slower. If, if it works, what they're trying to do, uh, and it's slower, then we'll just have the same complaints we had in 2014. I guess the other complaint is if it doesn't work, but okay, I, I'm happy enough with what they're doing. Do we know it's going to make them much slower? The whole point is that they're losing a lot of air off the top, but the ground effect is supposed to make up for a lot of No, uh, yeah, so sure. Are well, they actually going to be much slower? I'm saying I'm worst case, worst case scenario. And once I've had a couple of years of working with ground effect, I bet they'll end Okay, uh, let's move on to uh, more pressing matters. The silly season, Kyle. Uh, right, we've had some input on this show. Are you one of the panellists who only listens to the shows that they're on? 
like Chris, Chris Stevens, <coughs> Chris Stevens. Uh, no, okay. so, no, okay. I'm a busy man, but I, I squeeze some in. So you listen to Matt, Matthew Carter. I was going to call him Matt Carter there as if we're bezies. That was well <laughs> overly fo- informal. Uh, he came on and said his source, who he deliciously very nearly named and mouthed on the live stream, uh, told him that an Ocon deal was done. And, and that furthermore, he had the impression that that Ocon deal was at Mercedes. However, Joe Saywood, him off of GP Plus magazine, came on and said that he he didn't feel like that source was saying that. And he felt that it was more likely that Ocon was going to go to, to Renault. It's everywhere, Kyle. It is all mm. over the internet at the moment. Confirmed, essentially, according to Twitter. Ocon to Renault. Hulkenberg out. Yeah, that's quite an interesting one. Um, I feel a bit silly now because I've told people at work, guaranteed <laughs> Ocon was going to be in Mercedes <laughs> well, well, because, okay. <laughs> because of that. Um, it would make sense. I mentioned this in one of the previous shows that um, why rock the apple cart? You've got Lewis on top form. Bottas is not doing a bad job. Like, yeah, forget about the previous two races. Bottas has done a pretty, pretty solid job. Um, so why rock the apple cart? And especially considering later this year, Ferrari probably write their development off to try to come back faster next year. Do they want to put Ocon in to find his feet or do they want a known value in Bottas to try and bring those constructors points back? So uh, keeping Bottas would make sense, but I wish they wouldn't because I'll look rather silly to my work colleagues. <laughs> well, you, you sound very defeatist there as if the internet rumours are true. Christian, you're a man uh, with your ear to the ground. Why all of a sudden has this kicked off? I mean, auto build doesn't always have the best reputation is there is there a danish f1 media source that you that's your go-to thing for rumors um no <laughs> not really not a danish one uh i think uh, especially in formula one there's a tendency to 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 handshakes like really grown-up handshakes that doesn't really last uh, a lot of drivers have been signed and then not signed the day after uh, and nowadays we listen to or read into what did Esteban put on his Instagram account? Did he, did it actually say X driver or did it say driver from one or whatever? And we put a lot of effort into these things. And it's it, sometimes it's just a nut thing. Uh, yeah. But uh, I gotta say the the, the Renault rumor is, uh, is taking taking uh, speed. It is okay. Well, let me just linger on your Instagram point there. A member of the Mist Apex crew, who I know for a fact doesn't listen to the shows he's not on, so I can take credit for this, pointed out that. Uh, the, the main buzz has been he changed his Instagram from F1 reserve driver to F1 driver. And this is what everyone's got excited about and taken as uh, as kind of gospel genes. If I got this right, but apparently it has always said F1 driver. It was me who posted that in the chat, not Chris. Oh, wasn't it? All oh, right. Okay. Damn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> so you can't take credit for it because I'm going to nick it. Okay. But just in general, if you're not on the show, I will take credit for your opinions as as long as you know that. Christian. Let me just add to that point that uh, I find it I find it an odd move for Esteban because uh, uh, Renault is not really going anywhere. Uh, uh, if if you remember back when uh, when the new management took over Renault and now now it was full on F one, they hired Fred Vasseur and they hired uh, this guy Cyril, and somehow Fred Vasseur is now at Alfa Romeo and things are just happening. Their car is really really fast from the amount of money they have. And Cyril has a lot of money and nothing's happening. Something's not, something's not right in the management in, in Renault from my point of view. And being Esteban and signing that contract, I just, 
find it odd. Oh, yeah, no, it, he would be the second driver to fall foul of the Renault promise. Hulkenberg knows what he's doing. He's a handsome, rich, journeyman Formula One driver, and he is having absolutely the time of his life. I don't think Hulkenberg, it matters to him where he's racing, as long as he's racing and he gets to go, hey, baby, I am a Formula One driver. Ricardo has been sucked in, hasn't he? He's been sucked in by the Renault promise, thought he was going to a better place, and he's not. And I, and I believe strongly that that Ocon going there would suffer the same fate. But Christian, I, I'll just focus in on you quickly. Are you saying, essentially, that Renault F1 team aren't very good? Because <laughs> I'd rather you said it than me. Uh, well, uh, for the amount of money they have, uh, and the people they have... Uh, the colors, everything, the support, um, the the drivers, they should do better. They should do better than Haas. They should do better than Alfa Romeo. It's not been good, Gene It's not, has it? No, it, it pains me because I want to see the other manufacturer in F1 doing well, and they're getting spanked by a customer team, um, effectively. But if I was Ocon, would I want to be on the bench at Mercedes not knowing when I'm going to get my F1 drive back? Or do I want another season out of F1? And I really believe if you have two seasons out of F1, you ain't coming back. I mean, the last person to do that was Grosjean. But that was a long time ago. And Grosjean, in my opinion, will probably get replaced by Hulk. Yeah. Um, the only way it would be good for Ocon, is, like you say, is to go, go, go to Renault, but with some Mercedes reassurance that is still on their program. But from comments that Toto Wolf made a couple of months ago, he was talking about cutting, cutting. Um, I've just said, I desperately, given that people said I was rude to Chris and Matt last week, I was like, just respect the fact fu- that Kyle has said that as if he was some strange five-year-old child that we let into the podcasting shed. Okay, no, no, you make your point about Toto Wolf. I won't interrupt you again, I swear. About Toto Wolf, don't you mean? Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, um, he said that they were thinking about cutting Ocon loose completely cutting him loose of Mercedes because it's not fair to hold him back. So if he goes to Renault, is that him severing ties with Mercedes, bearing in mind that Mercedes also have George Russell in the wings? So um, if I was Ocon, I'd only go to Renault if my wages were still being paid for Mercedes, by Mercedes, if that makes any sense. It would be easy to make a contract for one year also with the option to take over the Mercedes seat in 2020. As Toto said, I think he said like a week ago, 2020 is a different era. Everything is open. And that is, I think, also Hamilton is out of contract. Or is, does he have uh, 20 as well? He does. Jeansy knows all things Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton's contract till till the end of 2020. So, uh, yeah, so he'll be signing his new deal. He keeps talking about, you know, he wants to wait to see the new cars, whether he's going to continue or not. He'll continue because he wants to get eight world titles. But, um, yeah, that's the point with that. Um, I think with Ocon as well, I think the problem he's got, he's like, I can sit here as a test driver for two more years. When they're done with Bottas, they're just going to stick Russell in. All right, what I'd like to do then is let's stake our reputations on the line so that on the next Spanners Heavy episode, I can berate you for being wrong. Uh, Kyle, you seem to have lost faith in the Carter prediction that Ocon was going to Mercedes. Where are you putting your money? Um, I think he will probably go to Renault. And yeah, I've lost all faith in the Carter prediction. I think Bottas will be staying because it makes total sense. Okay, Jeansy. When I heard Carter's prediction, I got all excited and a bit tingly. But in light of everything that seems to be going on at the moment, 
I don't see it. I see him going to Renault and I see Hulk going to Haas. And Christian? I see the French connection. I understand that. But if I was Toto, I would definitely go for Esteban. <laughs> and European says, uh, no, Jeansy, I think you mean it makes Toto sense. Uh, and that would not work with Carl's pronunciation. Sorry, pronunciation of Toto. Okay, so uh, I'm going to say that I think Bottas is going to get let go at the end of the season, but that the announcement will be delayed. I think that the current swell of rumours is has been completely fabricated as clickbait. So I think I don't trust the sources at the moment. Even if it turns out to be true, I don't trust these current sources. And that is just my opinion. That isn't a missed Apex podcast understands moment or anything like that. Uh, okay, guys, um, there's there's more transfer stuff uh, actually in the in the offing. So uh, this whole Ocon. Hulkenberg, Bottas, everyone assumes that if that happens, Hulkenberg is is then is then out on his ear, Jeansy? Yeah, gross gone. Gross gone. Gross, gross, gross gone will gone. be gone. Okay, well, and uh, so, <laughs> so he goes, who fills in that has spot? Hulkenberg. Yeah, Hulkenberg. And everyone's been like, oh, Hulkenberg and Magnussen, it's all going to be... Um, there was an interview with Hulk, and he's like, I don't even talk to Kevin. When we had that one altercation where he told me to do something, um... And they haven't really talked since. So I don't. I think everyone wants there to be something really fiery there. And I think anything with regards to Magnussen is fiery. But I don't think they're going to be rivals and, and it's going to be terrible. If they're both at Renault, a team that wants to start winning the championships, they're going to have to get their heads together and work together to make that car better. And then they can fight over championships. Yeah, Carl, it's, 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 you know, there's a bit of bluster with rivals. I, I remember listening to another Formula One podcast. There, there is others, but don't, don't bother with any of them. Um, uh, called for F1 sake. Really, really funny. They don't attempt to like, there's no analysis to speak of. They're just funny guys. Um, but I was listening to an episode of theirs and they suddenly just went, Oh, oh, why don't we have a chat room like Miss Apex? Oh, look at us. We've got a chat room. We think we're so cool. And I was like, wow, we've been completely slated. But then obviously we made contact with those guys. They've come karting with us. Uh, Terry's been on this show as well. So no, I, I don't think there'd be any problem with the Hulk and Magnuson racing together. No. Um, and there was a recent interview with K Mag saying that, yeah, apart from they don't speak with each other and, I don't think K-Mag particularly gets on massively with most of the drivers. Maybe Christian could tell us more about this, but um, I don't think he's particularly chummy with all of them, but he said they've got great respect for each other. So they respect each other as, in, as, as individuals. They don't really talk. I'm sure there's room in that team for both of their spherical objects. <laughs> okay, so we've got Christian on, and like, you know, if you have a female panellist, you go, well, what do you think about grid girls? Uh, if you have someone from Formula E, you have to go, is it the future? So we have to ask you, Christian, you know, you're presumably our token Kevin Magnussen fan. I would say Kevin is like that with everyone. Uh, when you watch him at the, the press conferences, he, it's, he could just say, I like uh, Roman and we're good friends. And he's just sitting there being all, I have one word to say. I say that, stop. Uh, he has all the possibilities to do it, but it's just not in him. He, he doesn't care about it. He, he just wants to race cars. And, and still, he's a nice guy. He's... Uh, He's got, uh, I think he's, um, he's funny, he's uh, relaxed, he's chilled. And that's basically just how he is. He's just chilled. That is shocking. That is so biased. To be honest, I am disappointed. We don't have bias for the home drivers here. Oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, I promise I'm not biased. I'm not, even, uh, I'm not even trying to be biased because uh, 
it is so basic that it's sometimes maybe hard to understand that it is so basic. That it's it's what he is. Yeah. Basically. Just just give us an insight then. I know you spoke a little bit about it on our Patreon podcast. You can support us by going to patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex and you'll get some extra content, not better content, but some extra content uh, in a more relaxed form. Uh, Christian, you were just giving us an insight onto uh, the Danish uh, fan base. If the, if the Magnussons had not raced in F1, would that F1 fan base still exist in Denmark? No, I don't know. No, not at all. But uh, when when Denmark have a, a Formula One driver, everyone's really, really excited, and uh, maybe excited to a degree that's a little out of norm, uh, because you see Kevin uh, yellow he- headlines breaking all the time. Kevin goes shopping, like oh really, of- like real tabloid. Yeah, really, really. But uh, and I think that uh, that exhausts him a bit. So maybe he doesn't really speak to the Danish media. There's this guy Peter Nygaard. Peter Nuko in Danish, uh, that does the magazine with uh, with Joe. Yes. And uh, Peter's got his own uh, column in BT, which is, I shouldn't say The Sun, but something like, Oof. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and he, he writes uh, really good articles. He knows what he's uh, talking about. Uh, but I would say he's more or less the only uh, Danish journalist we have with insight and a proper voice. Okay, good. Uh, well, obviously, I know you have a rich motorsport history in in uh, in Denmark, anyway, with uh, with Rally and Le Mans as well. Uh, but it's um it's nice to see that people have really got behind Kevin Magnussen. Certainly, like Lewis Hamilton is treated by the UK media way more harshly than he is around the world. So I guess it's the same. If Kevin Magnussen sneezes, uh, somebody in Copenhagen uh, will will um will pick up on it. And and I'll get you to give me a lesson in Danish pronunciation uh, another time. I promise. If I could just uh, one last point to the Hulkenberg uh, Grosjean. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not even sure where that uh, arose from because uh, why? I mean, why? <laughs> why would you want to? Um, I see Nico Hulkenberg as a really, really talented driver. And he's he's up there. He's, uh, he's definitely one of the best drivers and he's uh, solid. He always performs. But it's been a lot of years in Formula One. And at at some point, it will grow old on him. Uh, it will affect him in some way that he hasn't won. And if I was uh, Haas and was going for a new driver, I definitely think they are going to go for a new driver uh, in one of the cars next year. It would not be Nico Holtenberg either. I would go for something fresh. But either way, we all agreed that Grosjean has to go now. He's done his time. It's all over. Grosjean can go bye-bye. Good. You're nodding. Um, I have a crazy, crazy mental rumor if you want to start one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But- Bottas might leave F1 to go do rallying. Okay, where did you read that? Someone told me. Um, <laughs> someone told me. This is a crazy mental rumour. Is it? Know. Is it a source close to Valtteri Bottas? Because that would make a good headline. Does it matter if I'm... No, it's not at all. Um, a crazy rumour, but he's been doing a lot of rallying lately. Might be getting disillusioned with F1. Had his career absolutely destroyed by Lewis Hamilton. Might decide to go away from the sport. He has said that he has plan b and a plan c i think so i'd imagine he could either if it does happen which i don't think it will he he gets bottas gets booted from mercedes he could either end up going to Haas because i'm pretty sure grosjean will go um because i might have another little spanner in the works of one of our next topics of the rumors of vettel going back to red bull and not going away yeah they are not going away at all so that that opens up other doors. So Bottas could potentially have a Ferrari to go to, or he could go to a Haas. I think he would go to a Ferrari as a second driver to Leclerc or or Verstappen. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone was really dismissive, Carl, of these... Uh, these rumours of Vettel spending a lot of time in the Red Bull area and, oh, yeah, that's just because he's old team and he's got friends. But I think if you do the maths, if you look at the discontentment, if you look at his his uh, his lack of uh, alignment with the, the Ferrari engineering philosophy, what we've actually understood of late, we've understood that actually Sebastian Vettel's sporting agent have been spending a lot of time with Red Bull for, for races as well. So I, I'm not dismissing this rumour at all, Kyle, uh, that, that Vettel might say, well, uh, I'm fed up here, it's not happening, it's damaging my brand, let's give it one more roll of the dice at, at Red Bull. Red Bull will will cut him a paycheck, they'll probably pay to have Vettel there. But the, the interesting thing from an engineering point of view is he's been quoted as saying that he is unhappy off record with Ferrari's developmental path. And as I explain, explained to the fine boys over at the Super License podcast, because I, I went on another podcast, Carl, I cheated on mistake, thanks. The Super License podcast, very cool guys. They're from Australia. So, you know, they call things soccer. They were drunk for the entire podcast and they were just effing and blinding the whole way through. Um, but it was really kind of them to invite me. And we're going to get um, Zach uh, to come on this podcast as well. Join us in the podcasting shed. Uh, as I was saying to those boys, if I was a Ferrari fan, I would be livid at Ferrari for going for this high-speed, low-drag philosophy. Because when has that ever worked in modern Formula 1? I asked the question in our Patreon Slack group, when was the last time a high-speed, low-drag philosophy worked? And everyone went, uh, ah, mm. And yeah, it's a weird, why have they gone for that? And you can see that Vettel's gone, no, I need traction control and a blown rear diffuser. You're giving me a rocket ship. And you've hit exactly on it there. I was going to mention the blown diffuser, how Vettel was the best driver at putting that to best effect and best use. He likes high downforce things. What have Red Bull always been traditionally sort of known for is having the best chassis, the best downforce levels. And arguably since since the exhaust blown diffusers have gone, Vettel hasn't really been his former self. Yes, in 2012, they were still using some blowing and in 2013 as well. But um so there's two sides to the Renault going back, the Vettel going back to the Red Bull thing. Um, it it would make sense from that sort of side, but then also he's putting himself straight up against Max Verstappen, another young charger. He was scared off by Daniel Ricciardo, and now he's 
he's not really being scared off by, but he's going to be leaving Leclerc, another young charger coming up to him, um, who's now outperforming him quite clearly. And then he goes and puts himself in front of Max. So why would he do that? Uh, Jeansy, comment from European in the chat room that you can go to by going to YouTube and searching for Missed Apex Podcast. Please subscribe. Check out the video version as well. If you're video people, check out the podcast version as well. Click view and download it. That would be absolutely ideal. But European says, so will Vettel retire from Toro Rosso in the end? I know that's a bit of a distraction, but obviously if he has some bad results, you go go and partner Gasly for a bit. But the only way I can really see Vettel wanting to go to Red Bull, back to Red Bull, is if he wants to sit in a Kimi role. You know, he's done with his... Um, he's done with his time of being going for championships and he'll go and back up back up Max because he's not going to beat Max. Yeah, interesting. So I, I don't agree. I can't see that, Christian. I can't see him going to Red Bull accepting that he's going to be a number two unless he's like, unless he's made really bad investments. Who knows? Maybe he's just bought like, he's really invested in Bitcoin or something and, and it, it's all tanked. I totally agree. I, I don't see Vettel leaving Ferrari, but if he was to leave Ferrari for Red Bull, then think of Adrian Newey. He's going to develop the new car from the new specs and it's going to be very heavy dependent on ground force. And Vettel loves that. He would be the best driver to develop that car with Adrian Newey. That could be a mix I could see potentially, but would it be worth leaving Ferrari for that partnership offline? I'm not sure. Also, I want to add, uh, I'm pretty sure Ricciardo has an option in his contract if there's a seat available at Ferrari, he's going to go. I'm pretty sure. I would, I would, I would, I would think that's the case for him. Kyle. Wow, I hadn't, I hadn't put much thought towards Ricardo going to Ferrari. I was going to say that's going to leave the door open for Ferrari to accept a Hulkenberg for the chance of his life finally comes up when he's getting booted out of Renault because Ocon's going there to go to Ferrari to see out his days there, which would be a nice, which would be a nice story. It'd be interesting to see. But say, let's say Vettel is moving from Ferrari to Red Bull. That gives Ferrari a fantastic chance. And what I would do, I would make a swoop in and I would nab George Russell out of the Mercedes Young Driver program and put him straight into the race seat. That would be a big swoop for Ferrari because he's, apart from Ocon, he's one of their future drivers. So you could damage your rival by taking their bright young hope. It was enough of a difficult decision for Ferrari to put Leclerc in, um, to then go and put George in. How much I'd love to see it, it won't happen. They'll, 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 to be fair, if they get the opportunity, they'll make Leclerc number one and bring in a, and bring in a solid sort of number two. So Hulk actually could fit that bill. But they have no one else to really put into that seat. They haven't got any hot juniors coming up. I mean, Giovinazzi was the other one and he hasn't exactly shone this year against Kimi. He's now starting to find his feet, but they don't have anyone in their sort of uh, lower ranks that I'm really seeing, apart from Mick Schumacher, who... I'd love to see that happen, but he's done well in F2, but he hasn't exactly set, set the world alight. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But Vettel's not moving from Ferrari. I think that's pretty pretty sure that's not happening. They wow. could bring Kimi back. Yeah, okay. So, uh, no. <laughs> right, you've thrown a curveball in there. No, I don't think so. Uh, he's, I think he's the only F1 driver older than me. And I'm feeling pretty old, so uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's focus in on on Vettel there. Kyle's just said that he doesn't think uh, he's leaving Ferrari. I I if I was a Ferrari fan, I think okay. So this is where we're gonna get. So people accuse me of being a Ferrari hater, Jeansy. Can you believe it? 
Can you believe I occasionally get that? Yes. Accusation? Right, okay. You, you answered very quickly. There was no hesitation there at all. Uh, and also people accuse me of being a Vettel hater. I, I'm definitely not a Vettel hater. See how I didn't deny the other one. Uh, okay, so I'm definitely not a Vettel hater. However, that relationship with Ferrari, this is why I disagree with Kyle. I think it's been damaged. Uh, I think I think that that legacy is gone. The chance for the Ferrari and Vettel resonance, renaissance and him being the next coming of Schumacher, which everyone thought he was going to be. I think that's dead. And now you and your uh, good pal, Ryan Sedgwick, I'm giving you too much credit. It was Ryan came to me with statistics about the effect that Vettel has had uh, for, uh, for on Ferrari. And kind of the big assumption has been the last six years that basically you could not have won a world championship unless you were with Mercedes. Yeah, I completely jumped on Ryan's bandwagon. Ryan came with some stats. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get involved in that because it makes it makes me happy. Um, so yeah, it's all about the fact of what would F1 have looked like if Vettel hadn't made mistakes uh, through 2017 and 2018 and if Lewis Hamilton wasn't in Formula 1 and Bottas was the de facto number one driver and all of his results is where the fastest Mercedes would have finished and the second Mercedes was behind him. Yeah. Um, and the results are pretty damning yeah. for Sebastian Vettel. I think, I think um, we, we all kind of looked at the mistakes and went, well, he's probably left some stuff on the table there. But when you sit and you go through the figures, and I'm, I'm going to do a dedicated YouTube video detailing this all out so that people can come and, and disagree or agree. Uh, but actually you you forget actually how many errors there were but maybe more interestingly the one was the interesting one is if you take the mercedes results with bottas's performances as being the optimal that mercedes could have got out that weekend it starts to paint this picture that actually just some drivers have done really well and some drivers haven't that doesn't help our reputation as a hamilton bias podcast though uh kyle uh, i'm going to run through some stats but what's your input well i was just going to say Again, it all reads very harshly for Vettel, but before all of these mistakes, and I've said this several times now, I've kind of defended him because he... You defended him. Okay, yeah. Okay, here we go. This am, is going to be rough. And, and I'm going to defend him again. So, okay. so he, before all these mistakes started creeping in, it was the team that was making mistakes. They were relentlessly getting the strategy wrong. And he and Vettel himself was calling the strategy from within the car and he's distracted. So... The team dropped the ball a lot more than he did. And then he started to make mistakes and he's got sidetracked because he's trying to call the strategy from, from within the car. He started to make mistakes and that coupled to Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton slightly overperforming and getting it absolutely nailed on and, ha- and hardly dropping the ball at all to them drops. It makes it look really bad, but I don't actually think it's as bad as it is. And if it was making up, um, making out, everybody's throwing him under the bus. And I think it's a bit... It's a bit harsh. He's a four-time world champion. He's made some. He's going through a rocky patch. But this Vettel's finished talk is a bit premature. I think. Not saying Vettel's finished, but we we're not actually none of the points we brought up are anything to do with strategy. That's all. That's all left in there. Every single error he's made. These are all racing things. Like, yeah. like oh, not even racing under the safety car, smashing into the side of Lewis Hamilton. The various spins he's had in wheel-to-wheel combat. He's not calling strategy while he's doing wheel-to-wheel combat spinning it at, in in Germany in the rain. They're not talking to him about strategy. He's on the tyres that are correct for the time. So we've actually kept in all the strategy stuff. All the bad strategy stuff is still there. 
unfortunately, the spins and stuff, you can't you can't give him uh, you can't take it from him. Well, yeah, but he has, but it breeds frustration. So he's frustrated, and it built pressure on him, which shouldn't have been there because of strategy mistakes. They should have been well clear in the championship, but they completely dropped the ball in the strategy. I'm not just talking about one season here; I'm talking about seasons before that as well. So he's already in a high pressure environment. I'm just saying the strategy calls. Ferrari made mistakes, which intensified the pressure on Vettel, making the whole situation worse. I'm pretty sure Vettel is still feeling proud when he puts on his uh, red overalls. You can sort of like feel that. And uh, and he's still in love with Ferrari. But uh, I used to work at uh, the equivalent to BBC in Denmark, a really big organization. But every second year, they went through a, a, a restructure of some sort, some political thing. And then you have to, every time you have to start from scratch, and that just takes a really hard toll on you. And I feel sort of that vibe from Ferrari uh, inside the team they have to restart all over new teams plus new blah, new blah, blah, blah. and that I think as a driver you can get really tired uh, experiencing that and just maybe losing faith lo- losing hope in in your goal being realized so but I'm still seeing Vettel at uh, Ferrari next year. Oh, okay, tell you what. Well, well Kyle, Kyle is is defending Vettel. So let's just go through. Uh, let's let's take 2018 because I think that's that's the heaviest e- example here. If I if I just bring up the the quickly the 2017 stats here, uh, the the live stream viewers will be able to see this. Uh, Hamilton won with 363 points with Vettel on 317. If, if we take away the key errors that the stat that uh, Vettel made in in 2017 so hang on let's just make sure i've got the right ones here so in 2017 azerbaijan uh lewis does let's say that vettel doesn't ram uh lewis behind the safety car and doesn't get a penalty even if we say that uh that hamilton still had the headrest issue which is fair then vettel ends up winning that race instead of dropping back and finishing behind ricciardo and bottas so straight away if we look at the swing there i mean uh, I, i'm trying i'm making out as if I, i'm doing this you know all off the top of my head but ryan's detailed this that's a 13 point string swing straight away and then of course you've got that singapore incident where he he could have won that race and you have to say that hamilton looked like he was nowhere in qualifying instead he handed Hamilton 25 points by taking out three cars in front of him. Uh, and instead, so instead of Hamilton getting 25 points, that could have been Vettel with 25 points and Hamilton only on 12. So that's a swing of 38 points. So if we look at that 2017 table with those, just those two very simple things accounted for, Vettel suddenly wins the championship by five points, Carl. Where, where does your defense of him, uh, le- you know, where does it rest there? It's not a total defense. Maybe I need to re-clarify my position here. Like, yeah, he still hasn't been great. It's been bad. I'm just saying he hasn't been as awful and terrible as everyone is making out. He's made a few errors amongst a lot of other errors from the team and they've snowballed. So put yourself into his shoes now when you're going to wheel to wheel combat. You're going to think, oh my God, I can't afford to make another mistake. And it makes it worse because he's tense and he's thinking about not making another mistake. And it can. He's in a horrible situation, but my defense of him is don't throw him under the bus so much. You know, yes, he hasn't been great. Uh, okay. But uh, well, as bad as everyone makes out. Well, Jeansy, I mean, he would have been a, a, a five-time world champion at the end of 2017. Yeah. If, if we're just looking at 2017 for now, he has one more world championship. Two massive key mistakes cost him a world championship. 
and I don't think that gets better. So we'll just we'll end by just quickly flying through uh, 2018, just just to make Carl as, as uncomfortable as possible. Uh, so <laughs> let's see. So 2018, uh, Lewis Hamilton won at a canter. It seemed so. I, I don't think that's unfair that everybody looked at that and went, "Oh wow, Lewis Hamilton's he's won that for by a long way." Sure, Vettel was in it at some point, but actually that championship disappeared. The 2018 races where Vettel could have done a lot better. I'll just I'll run through them quickly and 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 do shout in. Just interrupt me if you disagree with any of these. Okay, Azerbaijan, Vettel doesn't lock up uh, and run off trying to pass. Bottas. Uh, therefore, Bottas gets the puncher, and instead of Hamilton inheriting that win, Vettel inherits it instead. France. Vettel doesn't collide with Bottas. Doesn't go all the way to the back. Ends up finishing third. Germany doesn't crash during that that infamous you know short rain shower under pressure because Hamilton was catching him. He goes off. Italy. Vettel doesn't try to lunge Raikkonen at the start, and uh, and uh, and in fact Hamilton ends up passing him through that that second um, second hairpin, and then they spin wheel to wheel Japan Vettel started eighth uh, he was up to fourth he tried to pass Verstappen to third and ended up going up the inside and hitting him do you disagree with any of these Kyle because it's yeah. so many why did he start eighth because of Ferrari strategy mistake in qualifying <laughs> okay okay uh. <laughs> okay you want to give him that so yeah. he, he was under pressure because he started eighth but had he not had that contact and that spin that's a third place so I mean if you look at the point swings the point swings that I now, fine, Ryan, that Ryan did. 2018, we're looking at Azerbaijan, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. 20 points in Azerbaijan, 5 points in France, 38-point uh, swing in Germany, yeah? 20 points in Monza for the incident we did we detailed there. And then in Japan, we're looking at a 7-point swing where, where he hit Verstappen. So that is a total of 90 points. So I'm just going to bring up for the YouTube viewers, and I'm sure Steve will uh, make this look much neater in post-production. 2018, Hamilton won with 408 points to 320. I know this is stats heavy. I'm sorry. Uh, but if you take away those mistakes, Vettel wins by 300, uh, by two points, 383 to 381. Cole, you must admit, even if you take, a f- even if you take away a few of those scenarios, he would have been in it for the last three races Hamilton won that championship in Mexico he could have kept that title alive and and they would have made loads of different decisions and uh yeah what do you think yeah um I'm not saying he was a saint but I'm just saying (laughs) Ferrari weren't exactly golden either and I think it's um and I'm really sorry if I mispronounce your name is it um Isaiah Said in the chat room I think has it absolutely spot on he said he says Ferrari threw away 2017, Vettel threw away 2018, and Ferrari have completely dropped the ball in 2019. I think that's a very fair assessment. It's one, it's one all essentially between Vettel and Ferrari for screwing up, and Ferrari are soon to make that two one to Ferrari. <laughs> Jeansy. By the way, this isn't actually a dig at Seb, really. Oh this no! Is a, oh no! No! This is this, no. is this is all about. Uh, have Mercedes been as dominant? as everybody actually thinks they have been. This is about um, the last two seasons, Ferrari have had a car good enough to win the world championship, but they haven't. So everyone talks about Mercedes have had uh, 14, 15, 16, 18, 19, six years of dominance. They haven't. They had three. Then they had two where it was really, really close. And okay, they're looking dominant so far this season. But again, how many wins have Ferrari possibly thrown away this season? Three, four? potentially five yeah. so actually 
are Mercedes as dominant as everyone thinks they are, or are they just doing the best job? Uh, Christian, not normally this this stats heavy. I, I do apologise, uh, but yeah, I think the point where we're just driving at is that there has been room for other teams to compete. And I think Red Bull are going to show that in the second half of this season as well. I think if you're going to blame anyone for this lack of competition in F1, you've got to point the fingers at uh, at the guys in red as it stands. I think Red Bull have uh, maximised uh, what their cars can do. I think Mercedes is doing that all the time, just setting new standards and Ferrari hasn't. Uh, and uh, I think that's been a bit contagious maybe for uh, Fettel as well. And now it's just like the bad luck just bounces back. And it's a difficult situation to, to get out of, I think. But uh, a team like Ferrari, they should be able to do it, though. Okay, uh, guys, if you're listening at home, uh, obviously a lot of the Ferrari and Vettel fans have wandered off. Just get, get them back into the room now. We're, we're, we're not doing that anymore. I, I knew we were going to come under some slack for that, and I know there's people are going to be upset. Do please tell us where you think our thinking was wrong and, and what effect that might have on the table. Uh, we'll publish all of that in a in a more condensed uh, YouTube YouTube video format. The other scenario we're going to explore is what would happen if Bottas, if you, if basically if Hamilton retired. We took away all his results and shuffled everyone up one. And then we put a second Mercedes driver in behind uh, in behind Valtteri Bottas. How would the championships have looked then? Uh, we're going to do some predictions for the Belgian Grand Prix. Christian, we're going to come to you first. Uh, I, I had people asking me, when was the last time we had a truly entertaining Belgian Grand Prix? It, it is a track that, that often gives us a little bit of a procession. I mean, last year we have uh, had a, a huge accident in corner one we had uh Fettel overtaking hamilton on the first lap we had, oh, yeah. we had uh wet q3 so i mean it wasn't bad last year uh but i think um i think the tables have turned this year it's uh even though for the ferrari engine which uh, we haven't talked about yet ferrari engine is really really good i think if you look at the alfa romeo and uh and haas they yeah uh, the, the 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 fifth qualifying position for Kevin and last year at Spa actually they did really really good the the Ferrari engine is going to be the friend of the teams uh, uh, next weekend but uh, something's wrong with the Ferrari car I mean <laughs> if they have a really good engine then something's definitely wrong somewhere in but let's stop the Ferrari talk well, I, I, got the, I got the drift <laughs> well I mean I oh, I can't resist this okay Carl the thing that's wrong with the Ferrari car is that we are passing the beginning of the season and other teams have started developing that's not a surprise that the Ferrari development goes goes away throughout the season uh, but just to, focusing in on the the Belgian Grand Prix a little bit that that complex uh, after turn one uh, down the hill through the corner that everybody calls something different uh, I don't care what it is but it's the downhill lefty righty bit and then you've got the long drag after that I mean it, that does give us some amazing racing if you remember Lewis Hamilton a couple of seasons ago deliberately like lifting off to mm-hmm. stop Vettel getting a chance up there we do get good action but just not necessarily likes to flag action. Yeah, no, and it's widely regarded as a power circuit. But I'm surprised we don't get much sort of better racing there because there's always been a, this traditional two-pronged approach. You can, what, but there's only two ways you can go to approach the Belgian Grand Prix. You go through low, low downforce, maximum top speed, so you'll be fast in sectors one and sectors three, but you really suffer in the middle sector, um, which has corners like 
Puon in it and has the Fanya Sakane. And then the the corner without without a name coming out onto the back straight, going up towards Blanchemont before the third sector. So um so you got that, or you go for the high downforce thing where you'll be struggling in sectors one and three, but you'll be amazing through sectors two and be able to make your tires last longer. So um I think Ferrari, even though they have their amazing engine I don't think that they'll do too well. I think they're going to suffer badly through sectors two, through sector two. And if they carry on with their philosophy, they're going to really, really struggle and they're going to burn their tyres up. So the real interesting thing for the Belgian Grand Prix for me is, is to see in how Honda performs uh, with the big long straights. I, I think Honda are a bit of the dark horse. If they don't bring their upgrade for this race, which they might do still, so they might both have grid penalties or Red Bulls for taking a new engine, it'll be... They're my dark horse for the race. Or, or Jeansy, you could just go for the team that's got both, which is Mercedes. On the Honda point, Max has been quoted as saying that the Honda engine will only last four races. So uh, that's going to cause them all sorts of issues. So whether, whether they do what Kyle just said, which is replace an engine, if they replace an engine and they're stuck at the back of the grid, they've got no hope. There's no way they're coming back to win from there. Um, but yeah, I, there's a part of me as a Formula One fan who wants to see a Ferrari win the next two races because they've got the low drag, they've got the high power, and if they can't win on these two circuits, they're not winning any, anywhere else. So um, I see if I'm, I'm putting it on, on a first Leclerc win. Oh, that's, that's come out of left field. That's all right. Um, the, the reason why I think Red Bull might be a, a dark horse, as you say, Kyle, is despite this engine thing, they can pick and choose. So they can go, right, Monza will use an engine that we've used for 18 races. In fact, we use last year's engine just to be sure. And there, whereas they can look at Mexico, Singapore and, and, uh, and races like Spa, perhaps if they fancy it and put in a fresher engine. Well, that's exactly the, the, um, the question that they're juggling with at the moment. They, Honda have said they have an upgrade ready to deliver so they have an upgrade it's when they bring it so red bull will put in all their eggs in singapore they're pretty sure they're going to win that race and that's their best chance for a win and also as you said that they traditionally go very well in mexico so do they bring the engine change in at at spa and or monza which are circuits you can overtake on and take those races to set themselves up for singapore but i think they're actually i think their engine i think they're good enough to take a penalty at spa and still get a podium and or monza because um, oh, Marco right. himself said yeah. that Honda have delivered, over-delivered on the power they fought this year. So they actually designed a very skinny car with downforce, thinking there'll still be lack of power, and have been caught out by it, and they've had a lot of power. You know so, why that is? Why? Because Newey's been more involved in this car, and I've heard I've heard on the internet on Reddit that Newey likes a tight rear end, and that, that oh, does, really? seem to, does seem to marry up. Okay, so uh, penalties aside, uh, let's just quickly go around. We haven't done this for a while. Let's pick your podium for the Belgian Grand Prix chat room fire in with some podiums as well and we'll read some of those out thank you very much for joining us today for this first live stream over the summer break we took a little bit of a, a break and uh, and gave ourselves some more relaxed episodes in the shed over the summer but we're back into full F1 mode now I'm going to start one of each for the podium for the for the Belgian Grand Prix I'm going for Lewis Hamilton followed by Max Verstappen followed by Charles Leclerc, a rainbow podium. Uh, what, what are you objecting to, Carl? My Leclerc. People complain both ways. No, that was the exact podium I was just about to hear <laughs> Okay, well, you can... <laughs> I think agreeing with me is the wisest thing you could possibly do. And that's why you're here and Matt and Chris have been fired and are never, ever coming back. Uh, Jeansy, what's your podium? I'm going to stick with Leclerc 
as the win. Um, and I think I think Hamilton's going to be the meat in a Ferrari sandwich. Oh, uh, closely followed by the Red Bulls, and I think Albon will be much, much closer to oh! Max than Gasly oh, I ever was. I forgot that Albon's going to be in the Red Bull. I forgot. I was thinking, well, obviously, only one Red Bull's in it, but there might be two in it now. Christian, does that change your podium at all? I wish we, we saw Albon up there, but I think it's going to be Hamilton, uh, Leclerc, Verstappen. Hamilton, Leclerc, Verstappen. Yeah, not not far off mine as well. Phoenix agrees. Hamilton, Albon, Verstappen, European, Leclerc, Leclerc and Leclerc. You've misunderstood fundamentally uh, what we were asking for there, but obviously he rates uh, Edgehammer, he, a fellow Dane, so we've got to read this out, but he says Grosjean, Hulkenberg and Stroll. Ah, says isn't going to be a podium. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Stroll, he can nick a podium. He's quite good, Stroll. He's not as bad as all you haters say. I get a bit fed up with all the Stroll hate to be honest with you. Uh, Christopher Fonseca, Verstappen, Hamilton, Albon. Uh, Christian? We should not forget the uh, the Racing Point cast has always been very, very good at Spa. Ooh. And uh, last year, Esteban had a third qualifying position, I think. Oh, was- yes. And, and he had a chance, actually, to lunge for the lead, Jeansy. Don't you remember? And he kind of admitted that he was like, well, that's not really my fight. But how good would it have been if he'd have popped up in the lead at the end of lap one? It was Seb, Lewis, Perez, and Ocon for yes. almost four abreast going into um going into it up the hill um and yeah Ocon Ocon basically said I'm not getting involved in this this isn't my fight and completely bailed out of it by the way by me saying that I think Leclerc's going to win doesn't mean I want him to win in, in my mind as long as Hamilton's won I don't care but yeah I'm I'm hamfosy everyone knows that but yeah <laughs> um uh, I still I I'm I'm for the good of the sport. And to save the stress on social media afterwards, we need a Ferrari win. I don't think we're going to get it. We're not going. To, I'll, I'll counter that by saying we're not getting a Ferrari win again this season, Christian. I just wanted to add that the last year, the Lando Norris was driving a Formula One car for the first time in free practice as well. So that's uh-huh. a year ago. Just a yeah. The, the rookies have been impressive. We'll have to do a proper rundown of uh, of how those rookies have done. Maybe even a parody song. I definitely haven't been uh, starting one. <laughs> I know everyone loves my parody songs. I have one last spa uh, yeah. fact. Go for uh, it. I was there in 2002. And on the Camel Strait, uh, there was a lady, like a young lady, sitting on the fence, on the top of the fence, just uh, next to the track. I- I'm not sure why she was allowed to sit there. And every time Schumacher passed, she flashed him. And he won by, I think, 40 seconds or something. There we go. Uh, Right, it's the Spa Grand Prix coming up next weekend. We'll be doing a live race review at 8pm UK time from the shed. Please do join us there. We might be wrong, but we're first. Um, You guys are not on Twitter except for Alex Van Jean. Search for Alex Van Jean on Twitter. You can find him there. Uh, He races in the Covcart series. Uh, You can search for Missed Apex Podcast by... uh, searching for Facebook, that Facebook there, the blue one with the F. We've got a Facebook group, so search for us there, at Missed Apex F1 on Twitter, and I am at Spanners Ready. Christian has a, a, a Instagram account by his own admission, which isn't worth following, but do search for Christian Pedersen uh, uh, for all things. What I don't know, what do you post on there, Christian? Just selfies, all selfies. Today I posted a, a dog lying on the floor, and then two oh. ducks came arriving and one played a horn. So, that sounds great. Well, how do we find that? It's uh, it's easier if I write it to you and you can put it somewhere because if is it, I just is it one of those Danish words that's got like the the vowel in it? It's, uh, well, I used to be called 
but no, I'm not going to go there because you can't pronounce. Okay, say say K R E D E. Crude. K R U E D. This is how it sounds in Danish. Krud. Okay, well, good luck, everyone, finding that if you want your dog photos. Uh, Kyle's not on social media because he's far too edgy. Uh, Matt has just sent me a WhatsApp voice note. Shall I, shall I play it? Oh, let, let's see what, what Matt wants. Uh, let's see what he wants. Hey, guys, Trumpets here. Uh, just because I put the entire show together and Spanner schedules the first live stream in three weeks when he knows I'm going to be on a plane doesn't mean I'm not going to plug my wife's book, Love and the Laws of Motion, September 9th. Please go buy it so I can continue to afford to fly to England and do stupid things in cars. That's Love and the Laws of Motion, I think. Yeah, Love and the Laws of Motion. And that is by A. Weaver Writes on Twitter. And Matt is going to be here in the UK in the next few weeks for the Missed Apex karting event at Buckmore Park. On the 21st, we're going to have commentary from Chris Stevens and we're going to have uh, video coverage of it as well. So you can watch it back afterwards. There's an award that we give out. Comment of the week. Isn't it convenient that all the best comments came in the second half when I suddenly remembered that there was no one to note down the comment of the week comments have you got a few as well jeans all right okay well let's do let's do a couple each you've got some as well carl all right okay fine uh looks like we're gonna have the standard matt trumpets 18 nominations then i'm very sorry have you got one jeansy uh yeah mine's from regular chris fonseca uh disappointed liberty didn't test how many different ways ferrari can botch races with this new car design <laughs> okay uh, more ferrari hate sorry not sorry carl Yep, I have three I noted down, which are quite good. So I'm trying to go a bit trumpets here. Yeah, go on. Um, Joe van de Liege. Same guy. Same guy. He's on a roll. Oh, yeah, so uh, a Toto recall, which I thought was really good. We were talking about Toto or Toto. Uh, well, hang on. <laughs> if you'd have said it, if you'd have said Toto, that's much, Toto recall. That's much funnier than your really oh. weird pronunciation. Toto. <laughs> okay, go on. What else you got? Uh, Christi- Christopher Fonseca, maybe if we gave Ferrari more money for just showing up, everything would be fairer. Okay, okay yeah, maybe we should just give him more money. Uh, yep. Yeah, and then uh, I've got two more, sorry, I've actually got four. Yeah, there's Des right near the end that said, when we're talking about people flashing Schumacher, said, let's be progressive and have the Dutch dudes flash Max and see what happens. <laughs> let's let's test it out. Yeah, We do not need high definition sausage on our TVs. We don't need that. Um, please don't. And then the last one was Michael Dieselhoff. Yeah, I think, and that was bringing the Toto with his boat ass, which okay. I thought was quite good. I don't get that, but I normally catch them on, on the way out. It's interesting with the flashing that you went straight for bottom half flashing because I, I was thinking about top half flashing, and then you made it like proper mucky. So now I've got to put an explicit <laughs> tag all over this. Uh, do, did any of That's those Kyle edgy powerful? Yeah, I know he's a disgrace. He made Brexit jokes on my live bbc show as well you cornered me you cornered me what did you think was going to happen honestly didn't i said 17 million people bought the adele album so it must be good and you went well 17 million people voted leave (laughs) i went huh well unfortunately i don't have any strong opinions so i was uh i was unable to you're in the background just doing the no no (laughs) no sign please stop talking did uh christian did any of those comments uh jump out at you I'm I'm sorry, but I haven't really been following them. Uh, I'm only seeing them just now, so I will go through them, <laughs> report back. Okay. In that case, I'm going to give the award to... Oh, wow. Second place goes to Joe Crutchley, who says Spanners rocks. 
Thank you very much. Uh, I know this was a spanners heavy episode and I take that as full validation. Uh, but uh, in response to us throwing up very scrappy Excel snips into my broadcasting software here, uh, Michael Dustelhofer said, what's this? Map has come to understand Excel. Internet beware. Internet be scared. Comment of the week. Hmm. And I've already been told off. Please send me that Excel spreadsheet. Uh, by This is by Steve Amy, the video producer. Please send me that Excel spreadsheet and I will make it look not terrible. So, uh, yeah, the terribleness of that Excel spreadsheet is just for you. Live stream. Join us at 8 p.m. next Sunday for our review of the Belgian Grand Prix. Until then, be brave because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, but glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Rocket Bjorn. Every other country complains like this when it's slightly hot, don't they? It's not just it's not just us. Oh, Christian, sorry, so insensitive. Um, hot is where the snow drifts away and <laughs> and the clouds lift. Things have changed. <laughs> um, it's re- been really, really hot here. Today. Has it? Oh, but... I, I think actually, when I grew up, uh, I remember once one time we snowed in, so you couldn't go outside the house for like a week because you couldn't like literally go outside because the door was blocked by snow <laughs> that was how it was when i was a kid now it's totally different. but that's how we always wanted it to be in the uk as kids we're always like oh it's gonna snow it's gonna be so amazing and they like have a, to go to school day and there's, but there's like a little dusting of snow with just like the odd little foot and it's like you know like you can still see the pavement through it but we're like oh let's go sledging and your dad's like no that you'll just be trying to slide on grass and I said, you're mixed with brown sludge mixed with diesel when you're sliding around in it. That's it, yeah. Even <laughs> if it did snow, yeah, it would warm up through the day and that's it. And you would just get wet mud. <laughs> Michael Dustelhoff says, wait, I'm drunk. Did I just get comment of the week? Hang on. <laughs> Do people drink while listening to this show? That is unbelievable. Really? Someone knock nice. up a missed apex bingo. Like, you know. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 